Welcome into another edition of the Duck Territory Podcast. I'm Matt Prem and Eric Scopel is across the way. Hi guys. Uh, lots happened since we did this podcast. I remember the last time we talked. Did we, did we have the same head coach? No. I don't think so. Uh, we did this, what, Tuesday, about a week, a week ago today. Right. Um, we're recording this on Monday, uh, the Monday before Oregon plays Boise State in the, uh, Las Vegas Bowl. And since that time of, in the last week or so, Oregon's hired a new head coach in Mario Cristobal, the 34th head coach in Oregon program history. And, uh, we're going to talk at length about our, our impressions of Cristobal going into the year, yeah. um, our interactions with that, how it plays out, um, how the timeline happened for Cristobal. We'll also talk about the uh, now six guys who have decommitted from the Ducks. Maybe a couple of them might be able to get back into the fold for, for the Ducks and some guys that uh, probably it's time for Oregon to move on from them. Yeah. Uh, the commits, there was a huge recruiting weekend this past weekend at Oregon. Uh, there was, I believe, nine guys here for official visits. A tenth was here for an unofficial. Uh, we, we've spoken with over half of those guys so far. We'll speak to more of them. Too. We'll speak with more of them uh, here in the coming days. And then um, we'll break down the contract that Mario Cristobal got and why it's a big deal for the Ducks uh, moving forward. And then we'll, we'll wrap things up with uh, Jim Levitt and also some coaching news and updates that we've been given from Mario Cristobal. Um, but... Speaking of crystal ball, it's kind of like right. We're gonna dive start. dive right in. Um, last week uh, on Tuesday, Willie Taggart decided to leave. If you didn't know, uh, if you didn't know, I don't know where you've been. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Ducks for Florida State, and quite honestly, for, I don't know if it was for you, Eric. He seemed like the logical choice. Yeah. right out of the gate. I, well, I'd agree with that. I think um, I actually posted a poll right. You know. Before I think Taggart had left, and I think over two thirds of the people that responded said they were, would prefer an internal hire. And then I think it was like even between Levitt and Cristobal. And I thought Cristobal made probably more sense than than Jim Levitt, the defensive coordinator, just from a dealing with him in the media. Cristobal presents himself as kind of a leader, as kind of a guy who's understands kind of the, the, the big picture kind of, you know, thinks in, in those regards, whereas I was always of the impression that Jim Levitt, while a great defensive coordinator, is kind of a maniac, and I don't know if you want somebody, it's almost kind of like a Mike Leach personality, I'm not sure if you that's conducive to being a head coach, although Mike Leach has had a lot of success. I think he's farther down the the interesting line of oh, sure, sure. than Mike Leach is. Sure, I mean, he loves Pepsi and he loves uh, talking about his breakfast at, at, at media. I'm not sure that's as exciting as Mike Leach is talking about, like the Kennedy assassination or, or UFO sightings or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I thought it made a lot of sense. And I also think, you know, you look at both the way that Oregon has improved just across the board, and I think you can give a lot of credit, especially offensively, to to Mario Cristobal. You know, you look back at those those five games where they didn't have Justin Herbert, and, and I know those were frustrating games. They, they lost four of them, but. The way they were able to run the ball in those games, I think, is a testament to what you're getting out of out of Mario Cristobal. And I think you're going to see a team that is going to be extremely physical at the point of attack up front over the next couple of years. I think the team will kind of embody what the head coach provides. And I think that has to be exciting. You know, if you're an Oregon fan, there's been years. Obviously, they had tremendous success, but there's always been kind of that, oh, they're, they're the Pac-12 team, they're soft. They're not going to be this with Coach Cristobal, I don't think, because he brings kind of a different mentality than you know, Chip Kelly even and, and Mark Helfrich. Yeah, I, I felt like that was identified even when he was just co-offensive coordinator, run game coordinator for Oregon, um, at least up front on the offensive side of the football because you look at the guys that, that he had, they were all they all had huge gains in the weight room this past offseason, uh, and it showed on the football field. Oregon was 
uh, pretty dominant, especially when they were healthy and Justin Herbert was at quarterback and they weren't one-dimensional. Um, but even when he was out and they had Burmeister in at quarterback and you saw games against California where, mm-hmm. you know, they just absolutely steamrolled him on the ground. Yep. Um, Utah, the same deal. I think, what, Oregon completed about eight or nine passes in, in the Utah game and blew him out. I mean, and it's even in the loss to Washington, they ran the ball right. almost twice as more, twice more yards than anyone had run on Washington at that point all season. So yeah, you saw it across the board. This team was able to run the ball. And it's also worth mentioning that there was a petition that was signed that really put Rob Mullins, I think, in kind of a tough spot, if you will. Yeah, Mullins said afterwards that when he hired him and announced him as head coach that, you know, that was more of a affirmation of, of where, um, he was going and, and he didn't use that as the, the final judgment, but, it did kind of create maybe some awkwardness if they went in a different direction because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just like it was a an offensive lineman movement like you know the offensive linemen are pulling for their for their position coach to become the head coach it was everybody yeah. uh it it was 70 guys signed a petition within 30 minutes of reading it that was set up by Mario uh for Mario Cristobal to become the head coach and it was created by senior Tyrell Crosby uh, sophomore offensive guard Shane Lemieux, and then sophomore offensive tackle uh, Crosby's probably replacement mm-hmm. in yeah. in George Moore, um, and those three guys are, are the ones that kind of spearheaded the 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 grassroots movement, I guess you could call it, of Crystal Ball becoming head coach, and it quickly spread like wildfire. Troy Dye said, you know, he only had to go down a couple things of reading the list of accomplishments and. His, his relationship with, with uh, Crystal Ball through the year, and he was in. And, and uh, a couple other defensive players said, said the same thing, that you know he was always just energetic. And I think you've seen that mm-hmm. in the time since um, he's become head coach, uh, whether that's been his, his introductory press conference, which I think you know everyone wins those. Yeah. Um, but that just felt different um, to the couple days now of him as head coach after practice, or before practice, excuse me. Uh, he just speaks like a head coach, acts like a head coach, yeah. and is, is demanding like he, one. He carries himself like a head coach. And, and now it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, a lot of times you get guys that like Willie Taggart was announced as a head coach, and he had a lot of time before his first game. Well, Cristobal will have about 12 days from the time he was hired until right. his first game as head coach at Oregon. So it is going to be kind of feast or famine, and I, I think we both expect you know, if you petition for a guy like this team did and kind of push for him, you're going to play really hard for him. And I think we both expect Oregon going into this Las Vegas Bowl to come out firing. Yeah, they and to wrap things up with Crystal Ball's hire, um, I had asked Rob Mullins, Oregon's athletic director, how many other candidates or how many candidates did he interview? And he mm-hmm. said a total of four. Um, we know Crystal Ball is one. Uh, we know Jim Levitt is another one. Um, Kevin Sumlin, the unemployed head coach, uh, formerly of Texas A&M, he was probably the runner-up for the job. Yeah. He interviewed with Rob Mullins, while Mullins never confirmed that. Um, and then the, the fourth one is kind of up in the air. You know, yeah, we're not sure. We've heard Justin Wilcox had interest, but then we've also heard um, that Oregon reached out and he uh, politely declined interest and would not even speak with Oregon. Uh, we've also heard Florida, the former Florida head coach Jim McElwain, he interviewed with Oregon last year, uh, was almost – close to getting the job. I think he was even offered, um, and he turned it down at the last minute. Uh, we've also heard Brian Harson, who, ironically enough, is the, the head coach of Boise State. Okay. That would have been awkward. Wouldn't that have been super weird if they would have hired him right before the bowl game against them? Oh, God, that would have been awful. Um, and then we've, we've, we've heard you know names like Mike Leach and, and um, a couple other people out there that you know 
Jeff Tedford. Uh, but yeah. that, that, that fourth person is kind of a mystery. But um, the timeline worked out perfectly for yeah. Oregon. They were able to get a recruiting weekend in this past weekend. And we'll, we'll touch on that here in a minute. But that kind of segues us to the bad spectrum, I guess, of, of the coaching change. Yeah. And that's been the fallout of the commits. And I think this was expected when Florida State uh, lost Jimbo Fisher. I think they immediately lost about 40 commitments. Oregon has lost 60 commitments. And it's a credit to their what they already had in place that they only fell from I think six to ten in the recruiting. Yeah, that's They're still a top ten class. Absolutely, lost six four stars in the last week. And it's still the best class, at least as of today, mm-hmm. on paper uh, in school history. Yeah. And Which is remarkable. It, that tells you just how well things were going for Oregon uh, prior to the six guys decommitting. You know, and, and we will, so we, like I said, uh, six players decommitted, all four stars. All kind of with well, one run prior to the actual news being announced, which was Trajan Harrison, and then he was the first, and then five kind of in the days afterwards, and then there might be a couple more guys that decommit. There's still a couple Florida commitments that are that are still committed, but you kind of wonder if they're going to listen to to Willie Taggart or some of those schools down there. That now that that kind of the head coaching situation has changed, but I think the big thing here is, and we'll run down them here. Uh, five of the six guys are pass catchers at Oregon, probably. Yeah, that's and that that hurts because they needed to prioritize that, and now they have they went from having five four star players that could potentially play wide receiver to zero. And it's kind of strange because a couple of them are West Coast guys. Uh, one of them is a Florida prospect. One of them is from Texas. Yeah. Um, I would have figured the West Coast guys, knowing that Cristobal was head coach, um, knowing that Herbert is back next season, and then, like you said, Oregon made a, a priority to go out and get either tight ends or receivers uh, for for this recruiting class because, let's, let's be frank, while I think the – the receiving core has played well this season. Yeah, they okay. they they're not necessarily uh, guys that strike a ton of fear into opponents' defense of coordinators. Yeah. It's it's Herbert, um, Dylan Mitchell's. I think a very good receiver. After that, Schooler might might mold into one. Um, maybe Johnny Johnson becomes a little bit more than a you know a, a big play here and there that he's had this season. Um, maybe there's a couple guys that step up, but. For the most part, there's playing time to be had. Totally. And, you know, totally. it, it wouldn't have surprised me if two freshmen started for Oregon next I think, year. And I think, you know, and let's run down the guys that decommitted. Trayshawn Harrison, who's, who's considered an athlete, probably going to play wide receiver. He decommitted. Uh, Miles Battle, who is a full-on wide receiver out of Texas, decommitted. Six foot five, four star. He's a big time prospect. Braden um, Lindsay. Braden Lindsay, who's an athlete from Tiger, who was probably going to play wide, or expected to play wide receiver. Michael Azeki, he's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid, but probably could have played wide receiver. He decommitted. Um, and and then, Warren Thompson. And Warren Thompson from Florida, who just decommitted yesterday, who I think we all think is probably not going to end up at Oregon and w- would have been surprised with Taggart leaving because he's kind of a Taggart guy. But. And the sixth guy is a four-star cornerback, Isaiah Bolden, who um, when he decommitted said that he was now going to sign in the um, in the February, the second spring period, the yeah. second signing period, because yeah. um, the signing, signing day is on the 20th. Uh, today is, what, the 10th? Um, is it today? Eleventh, man. 11th. So we're Who nine. Knows? We're nine we days. Don't know where we are. <laughs> we're nine days away, and so he he kind of came out and said, you know, I'm gonna wait, and now he's he's come out and said he's officially visiting Florida State this coming weekend, and he's now considering uh, signing early. I think he's gone. Probably gone. Uh, I think Warren Thompson probably gone. He probably sounds like well. an official visit to Oregon along with Florida and Florida State in the spring, but I think he's probably gone. Harrison is an interesting one out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really enamored with with Willie Taggart. Um, and what he what Taggart sold on him uh, at Oregon. Keith Hayward is Oregon's safeties coach, and Michael Johnson, 
the Oregon receivers coach. Those two guys have also helped and are kind of the big pull for for Oregon to, to retain his commitment. Um, and I think it's imperative that both those guys remain on the staff moving forward uh, for Oregon to have a chance. But Harrison's very much target number one for Chip Kelly down at UCLA. I expect him to make an official visit there. USC is probably going to get an official visit. Florida State will probably also get an official just, just visit. Just offered, we should say. Yeah, for, Taggart just offered him as well. Um, and then on top of that, I, I don't think while they're maybe the, the favorites or the odds on, you know, you can't discount the hometown Huskies. Right. Um, I know Washington likes him as like a running back or um, as a secondary player. and He's not really into that. Um, but look, Hometown's hometown, and the Huskies are rolling right now, and it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, at least gave them a visit as well. Um, but I think he's, he's probably the most unlikely guy who's decommitted to, to come back into the fold because. Yeah, he and, he and Thompson probably as, in terms of receivers, I'd say. Right. Um, and, but I think there's a chance that Oregon can maybe get him back. Uh, key critical thing there for Oregon is Willie Taggart did make an in-home visit. That allows Mario Cristobal to go into the home. Um, and you and I agree he's going to be pretty good there. Yeah. Let, let's explain really quickly that whole thing, which is sort of the, the Tiger thing here. He took in-home visits to, I don't know the exact number, but about 11 or It's about 12. a third of the class. Yeah. Well, he went. He, took, he checked out a lot of these guys with in-home visits. And now the way that the rules are written, I'm sort of surprised by this, Oregon's head coach has now taken those. And even though that they have a new head coach now, he can't. Mario Cristobal can't take these in-home visits. So Tiger... Um, has used a number of those, which kind of is a roadblock for Cristobal, especially with guys that are sort of uncertain because he can't get into their homes, which, uh, you know, they're going to have to kind of be creative here and see if they can get guys to come down, have other guys go with, you know, take, Cristobal obviously can call them on the phone, but sort of, sort of hampers some of this recruiting, but yet Harrison's the guy that is um, probably in my mind among the most exciting players in terms of just the film that we've seen. He was tremendous at the Saturday Night Live event as well this summer. So that's a guy Oregon would love to have back in the fold, and, and I think it will be an uphill battle because there's going to be a lot of competition. Four-star receiver Miles Battle and uh, four-star tight end Michael Ozeki, two guys kind of unknown of what their next move is. Yeah. Um, Tennessee just offered Ozeki. Um, I think Taggart – I know Taggart – Hasn't seen either of those guys, and he was actually going to go and see right. Miles Battle, Battle. Mm-hmm. Um, before he got pulled off the road and went back up north to Eugene to mull over his offer from Florida State. Um, so that allows Crystal Ball to go into those two homes. I think both of those guys, there is a realistic chance. I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but if Crystal Ball can get an in-home visit with Marcus Arroyo, the rest of the offensive staff. And just show him the the highlights of Herbert. I think, and, and you know, obviously the Oregon stuff. Get them on campus for might get battle on campus for an official visit. Mm-hmm. Zeki's already taken his, yeah, which is kind of critical. Um, so getting him back on campus and just getting in front, you know, face to face. I think both those guys have have a realistic chance of getting back in the fold. I would agree with that, and, and it is worth mentioning both of Battle has already been on campus. He was at the Saturday Night Live event, as was Ezeki, so they've seen campus already. But I think Battle also made an, an unofficial for the Arizona game right, as well. He did. So he's been up here a number of times. So these guys are familiar with the campus. It's more of just showing, hey, this is the new guys in charge. This is kind of the dynamic of everything. They're already familiar with the campus and kind of the players. And then that leaves us with, uh, I think we've pretty much said Bolden and Thompson are probably going to go to Florida yeah, and, State. And we've mentioned Brayden Lindsay. And then Lindsay. The kid who, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Tiger High School up in Portland. He made an official visit to Notre Dame last weekend. Um, he's been contacted by UCLA. I wouldn't be surprised if he visits them as well. 
Um, he's also considering Oregon. I think he comes back um, as long as uh, Michael Johnson's retained and uh, Keith Hayward's retained. I think this. I think Oregon keeps Lindsey as well. Those are crucial hires, both of those guys. Just not even with the guys we've mentioned, but with you know, I spoke with Javon Holland's father yesterday, and it, it sounds like if. Keith Hayward is retained. He's signing early. If he's not, he will not sign early and maybe look around a little bit. So, you know, Keith Hayward is one of those guys where he is, you know, a primary recruiter or a key part of a lot of these kids' recruitments. So it becomes pretty imperative that they retain him. Obviously, having Cristobal there is continuity, but Hayward was, for a lot of these guys, kind of their, their you know, their, uh, their, their, their top their relationship, foundation. their foundation with this program, if you will. So, yeah, those are... Those are those are key kind of names to watch over the next week here in terms of you know they they won't make any final decisions on this. we'll get this in a minute but they won't make any final decisions until after the bowl game but um, it certainly is I think imperative that they keep a, a number of these guys from a recruiting perspective and that kind of segues us right into the next segment of this show yeah um, guys that were here this past weekend for official visits they were all commits Javon Holland as you said was one of them uh, he was vastly impressed with what he saw at yes. Oregon. Um, other guys here were uh, the the top guy that's highest rated commit Steve Stevens, uh, Tyler Show the second highest rated recruit he's a quarterback uh, Stevens is a safety uh, Veron McKinley a three star cornerback out of Texas Dawson Drillamo a four star offensive tackle from Lake Oswego uh, we also had uh, Andrew Johnson and we also saw Muhammad Diallo. Um, Adrian Jackson, a four-star linebacker. Diallo's a, a junior college defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Johnson's a uh, high school outside linebacker. Out of Georgia. Out of Georgia. And then MJ Cunningham, uh, a three-star linebacker from Madison High School in Portland. And then last but not least, uh, four-star linebacker uh, Elijah Winston out of Central Catholic and the younger brother of uh, Lamar Winston, uh, current sophomore star- starting ty- uh, outside linebacker. We've spoken with uh, Shuck, Stevens, McKinley, Holland, uh, Drillamo, and Cunningham. And from all intents and purposes, I feel like it's safe to say those guys are all pretty much locked in. I feel confident with those guys. Like I said, I think, you know, actually one thing Shuck told me, and I should mention this, and it was in the story I wrote, he believes everyone that was on campus will eventually sign with Oregon. He's not sure if it's going to be necessary in the early signing period or if it'll be in, in February, like you mentioned, but... Um, I, I think everyone from everything we've, we, we've gathered a lot of information over the last couple of days. I think the recruiting weekend went about as well as possible yep. given the circumstances. I mean, they're preparing for a poll. They've got a sign day. They've just had a huge coaching change. Um, it seemed like everyone was pretty pleased with, with how things went. Um, Robert Holland, Javon's dad said it felt like something special was being built here, which, you know, I think is, you know, obviously an encouraging sign because they could leave going like, oh boy, this place is in shambles. Right. And, and they would have probably been a little less complimentary. So, Encourage. It sounds like everyone there is pretty locked in. I don't know if that means everyone will sign on the twentieth. You know, I think Oregon will. I think still... some of it deals with the coaches. Yeah, the, the assistant coach. And that's where the unfortunate. You know, that's where this unfortunate thing with this this bowl situation gives them basically by December sixteenth, the, the, all the assistant coaches have to be. You know, they're obligated to be with the team, and the signing days on the twentieth. That gives them four days there to finalize who's going to be with the program and not with the program. And if I think honestly, if if they retain. Hayward, and they retain Johnson, and they retain, you know, Salavea. We already know they're going to retain Marcus Arroyo. But if they retain the majority of these assistant coaches, they could sign, like, 15 to 16 guys. Right. You know, because I think a lot of these guys... And that would, that would essentially lock them in into the top 20. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then and then they've got, you know, maybe another 15, 10, 15 players to fill it with. And, and they've got, you know, a number of these uncommitted kids kind of still looking around. But um, I think I think they this weekend went really, really well. 
and you could tell we were at practice. We saw the guys; they were they seemed engaged. They were right. they, they seemed kind of you know the family seemed excited. So yeah, I think this this went really well, and I think you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of the guys have already kind of reaffirmed their commitments, and you're gonna see a number of them sign with Oregon um, about a week from now. The only way this weekend could have gotten better for Oregon was if they had some kind of an uncommitted guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it was, whether it was a three star, four star, or a five star. Just having one or two of those guys on campus and pull the trigger. Um, and, and make a verbal commitment because that, you know, that visibly shows that there's some positivity brewing. Right. Um, I still think it's going to come out because you've, you've got what, nine or ten guys on campus this weekend. Um, the commits all have that group chat that they discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, there's guys that are also in that group who are uncommitted. And, you know, this, a third or, or half the class was on campus this weekend. And they're going to go home and they're going to start texting and, and talking about stuff. And that's going to build the momentum. Probably not as fast as we're going to hope, but it's going to start at least the positivity is going to start coming out now. Um, other recruits are going to see that. Uncommitted guys are going to start seeing that. But the only way it could have gotten better was if there was some commits that could have happened. And unfortunately, they're just, you know, Limited numbers right now. Limited numbers, timeline was bad. Right. But, I mean, just all the factors were against them, but. That yeah. said, we've, we've posted this on duckterritory.com. Um, if you're a VIP reader, uh, we've teased this. We do expect some kind of good news, uh, in the next, soon. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll describe it as soon. Um, there's more information on, on the site about that timeline. Um, but it does sound like Crystal Ball is already making headway. And I, I will say this before we get to his contract. Um, speaking with – I've had multiple parents of current players, and I've had multiple parents talk to me of, of commits, and you've had multiple parents talk to you as well. Um, Crystal Ball has been a home run mm-hmm. within those people, and that's going to spread, and that's going to help. And I think that's what you knew. That was kind of the known quantity with him. I mean, it's worth rehashing if you weren't familiar. He was the number one rated recruiter by according to 24-7 Sports in 2015. 2016, he was, I think, the number seven rated. And, and, and actually, just last year at Oregon, he was the sixth-ranked recruiter nationally. So this is what he does well. Along Similar to Willie Taggart. This is a guy who's very, very good at con- connecting with, with young people and families. Um, and he's going to recruit well at Oregon. And that's not a surprise. And you're going to, I think this, you know, this is not an aberration. They're going to sign a really, I think they're still going to sign a top 20 class this year. I do not expect that to change over the next couple of seasons. I think he's going to continue to be great in the recruiting trail. And it's just, you know, if he's able to retain some of these great recruiters on staff, it's just going to make that even better. Uh, let's segue now into a big reason why I think he's going to do, Crystal Ball is going to do a good job here at Oregon, at least on the recruiting trail, because like you said, He's got a proven track record, and now it's just doing it here at Oregon. And um, one of the biggest concerns when they hired Billy Taggart um, and when they hired multiple assistant coaches, Crystal Ball included, was, well, what's going to happen when a job closer to home, closer to their their home base, opens up? Yeah. With Taggart, we learned. He's gone. It, he had no ties here. Um, he had no ill will, whether how bad it looked here or, or nationally how bad it looked, uh, for him to go to Florida State, his home state. And I, and I get it. Um, Oregon, though, made sure that that wasn't going to happen again uh, when they hired Mario Cristobal, who is from Miami, played his football in Miami. His mom still lives in Miami or the Miami area. Um, his recruiting ties prior to coming, his coaching ties prior to coming uh, to Oregon was in the South at Florida International, at Miami, at Alabama most recently. 
And then he also had ties at Rutgers as an assistant coach there as well. So this is a guy who, prior to this time last season, had no connection to, to the West Coast and more specifically the Pacific Northwest. And Oregon made sure that, that he was committed. And I think it was his idea, too, to make sure that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I think what you're alluding to is the salary, five years, $2.5 million a year. But the, the big story here is the buyout. You know, I think Willie Taggart's buyout was $3 million. Yes. Cromero Cristobal is over three times that money. He's $10 million buyout right now. Next year, I think it goes down in $2 million increments, $8 million, $6 million, $4 million, and so forth. But basically, someone wants to steal him away. They're going to have to pay a lot. Yeah. And this isn't going to come easily, you know. And I think that's one of the things when when uh, people started talking about Taggart possibly jumping ship, they went, wow, Oregon didn't really get a lot of protection here. Yeah. $3 million is, I mean, not that's a ton of money to you or I, and, but in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's not college a college athletics, number. blue bloods, you know, oh, yeah. if, uh, if Florida State opened up, they could easily afford it. Sure, and they did, and they, they afforded it. And, and, and But with Cristobal, he has basically put it into place where, yeah, I'm not leaving, you know. <laughs> I'm going to be here for, at, you know, at least a couple of years, and I would imagine, you know, like he said, if, if he has success here, I don't know why he would go anywhere else. You look at kind of the way the Southeast is set up with all these coaching changes and reshuffling. Florida, I believe, has all their top schools. They're, Mark Rick, who's in his second year in Miami, is the most experienced coach. There and he's an alum from Miami. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Florida, Florida State, first-year coaches. Um, Central Florida obviously has a first-year coach with Scott Frost um, taking the Nebraska job. But then you look at a number of other schools in the Southeast, in the uh, SEC and the ACC. Georgia. Auburn, all these schools just inked up their new head ink, coach. Inked them up, or Saban's brand, not going anywhere. Brand new coaches that are just aren't just doesn't appear that there's going to be that many options. But either way, I think you've got Cristobal, you know, locked in here with um, with a long term contract here, and and one that I would expect if they do have the success that he expects. I mean, two point five million dollars is a relatively it's a low number. He's in the bottom. Number. He's in the bottom quarter now of assistant of head coaching salaries in the Pac twelve. Um, and that's kind of what surprised me because he, he alluded to it in his press conference. We'd heard about a huge buyout. I wasn't thinking the $10 million range. Um, but he alluded to it in his press conference. He said, look, I, we put it in writing that I want to be here for the long haul and to eliminate the chatter. And that chatter is the stuff that's come up with Willie Taggart leaving late in the year, which, has impacted clearly Oregon's recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went from the sixth best class in the, in the country to now tenth, and it's probably going to continue to drop here a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, as other schools pick up commitments, and so Crystal Ball made it a point, and I think that's when. So when you look at him and say, "Well, what happens if Miami opens up in two years or something?" Or you know, what happens when a school comes? I, I to me, Oregon held all the leverage, and yet he still. I mean, if I was his agent, I would have never. Agreed to a ten million dollar deal. I mean, that's in, that's in, insane. Yeah, it sounds like it was Chris the Ball's idea, and I think that tells you of the commitment that he has and his view of this job, where he's looking at it as this is a place that I want to be for a very long time. I also wonder if if Rob Mullins goes, we can't get burned again. Yeah, I'm not going to agree to some lower buyout. We need a big buyout here. I do expect that that two and a half million dollar annual number, if Oregon has a success that they would like to have that that gets restructured and it becomes more competitive with kind of the big dog coaches Absolutely. because you know for what Oregon has been over the last decade one of the premier one of the premier teams in the country they're not paying their head coach that way it sounds like he's okay with that but I expect if they go out here and even if they just win like 10 11 games next year I, I bet you that we see a significant pay bump see we're different I I defer, I, I agree that he's going to get a pay bump I think it's going to come after the third year okay because they want to prove himself. 
or it's either the third year or the, if Herbert leaves early after his junior year and goes pro, then it's after his second year. Um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say uh, any reasonable head coach is going to win nine to eleven games next season with Oregon with the schedule that they've got of the non-conference of what Bowling Green, Portland State, and somebody else, it's another FCS, school. an, an yeah, FCS I school. I, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. Uh, they play absolutely nobody. Um, they they get a really. I think they play like five home games out of their first seven. Um, they they get Washington State. Uh, on the road, they get Washington at home. They get Stanford at home. They go to Oregon State. Um, Chip Kelly and UCLA come north. Uh, they go down to Arizona. But for the most part, the schedule is very, very reasonable and easy to expect Oregon to win a lot of games. And you know, as long as you have a decent head coach, you're going to win with Herbert. And the defense that they've got, and so I think what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to wait and they're going to see what happens post Herbert. And if they can win nine, you know, nine games or you know in the regular season or, or or get to ten in the regular season with a bull win, I think that's when he'll get his his pay bump. Just wait until what 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 is life like after Justin Herbert? And that might be one of those things where I guess Mullins learns a lesson from Mark Helfrich, sort of, because they had Marcus Mariota for the first two years of his of his tenure at Oregon, and they went and won a bunch of games his first year, went and played for a national championship the next year, and then, you know, not entirely Helfrich's fault because of the quarterback injury, but kind of fell off a cliff from there, and, and you kind of saw where the program spiraled out of control. And, right. And, they and then they had to pay a way bigger buyout. They had to pay a way bigger buyout, and you, you just want to make sure it's not fool's gold, I guess, you know, the, what's going on with the coaching staff. So that is, that is a fair point, I think. You, you kind of want to make sure you see what's going on post-Herbert because I think there's already starting to become speculation he'll be a Heisman candidate, that he's potentially the number one draft pick in 2019, you know, which sounds crazy, <laughs> but because he's played one and a half, basically one full season, one full season of football. half a year, one year and a half the next. But um, you certainly think you've got a, a, a very talented quarterback, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens when, when he's gone. And to wrap things up, that leaves us with uh, the one last big question uh, with this football team heading into the bowl game is the future of uh, – Future of Jim Levitt mm-hmm. and what happens with Jim Levitt. He's currently contracted uh, out until the 17th. Uh, he's got a four-year guarantee, but he can't accept any kind of job uh, until after Oregon's season is done, and that includes a bowl game. So there's a lot of speculation. We've reported it. Uh, the Oregonian, the Register Guard, uh, Knowles 247, and also um, Tomahawk Nation have all reported that he's got um, an offer from Florida State, and he's expected to go with Willie Taggart. Now, can Mario Cristobal convince him to stay over the next eight days, uh, 12 or so days since since the hire? That's kind of the question uh, that you've got here. Um, I think he's critical for this team. I think I he's critical for this recruiting class, uh, and I think a lot of defensive guys really love him, and if, if – that might be Cristobal's biggest recruiting accomplishment. I was going to say, if they could do that, was what I was going to say. If they, that would be his biggest recruiting victory is if he could keep, find a way to keep Jim Levitt here. I have to wonder with, with Jim Levitt, he has quite a bit more head coaching experience than Mario Cristobal, as you recall. I think he has like Cristobal six. coached six. I think, I think Levitt has 13 or 14 at South Florida. Um, you wonder, you know, if he feels like, why isn't there some sort of Levitt hashtag? Why isn't no pet- petition being signed for me? Because the players made it very, very clear 
what they preferred, that they wanted Mario Cristobal to be the head coach. I just kind of wonder what, where is that? What's put the dynamic Levitt, inside yeah. that coaching what, room? Where does that put Levitt mentally? Is he kind of like, you know, I love it here, but why, why are they all siding where's with the other guy? Yeah, where's the love for me? And I don't know if that's his mindset, but I, I know if I was in the situation, maybe I'm just projecting, I would feel like, Wait, I want this head coaching job. Why is right. everybody? Where's the? Why is all the prem? Where are the prem hashtags coming from? Where, where's my hashtag and my petition? So, um, yeah, it, it is kind of that. That's an odd dynamic, and, and you also wonder if you know he is positioning himself. I think to one day become head coach, and he's yeah. not. Getting he said any, it himself. He's not getting any younger, and if he thinks at a bigger school like Florida State with a little bit more, maybe a little more uh, vision nationally, if he can kind of hey, go turn that program around in one year, turn that into a head coaching job somewhere else. I, I think the Florida State job makes more sense for him to take um, because he's 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 turned Colorado around, he's turned Oregon around defensively, and if he goes to the ACC and does it in the South, I think he'll get hired as a head coach. I I, I, I think that's probably his thinking, and I think it makes a lot of sense to be honest. Um, and I don't think this is also a money deal. Uh, I don't think this is where. You can just Oregon can just say, hey, just you know, double the salary and, and and we're good. I think this is, you know, a comfort level. Uh, you know, this isn't a money situation. I don't think he's he views himself as being underpaid because he's making over a million dollars a year right now coaching at Oregon. So I don't think there's just you know a number you can say and just throw it out there and and, and get him some more money and it, it just smooths everything over. Now that being said, I do think they should. I think they should give him a pay raise, and they're making up five hundred thousand dollars between Taggart's salary and Cristobal's salary, uh, the original Taggart salary, because we I'm failed to mention that they had offered him a contract extension right. with a pay bump, um, but his original deal was around three million dollars a year at Oregon. Cristobal's making two and a half, so if it was me, I would take that five hundred dollars you've you've sa- five hundred thousand dollars you've saved and tell Cristobal or tell uh, Levitt. We'll bump you up to 1.6 million, and you know, that's as high as we can go. Maybe we can make some other improvements with other things, uh, but we really want you to be here and, and see if he stays. I don't think you know. I'm not trying to say money is going to you know convince him here, but make him you know make him an offer to show that you value him and, and seeing if you can keep him here. I think it's also worth mentioning his family never moved to Eugene, which that's is correct. a bit of a red flag. Um, you know, you you, you like to. You, you, one of those things that you always have to do in terms of recruiting coaches as well as, as players and recruits is you want their families to be happy with the area, and you're always kind of a red flag when a family doesn't move over. And um, you know, I think if if you it, with with a guy like Jim Levitt, you, you'd probably like to have his daughters and his wife living in Eugene right now. You know, them in their corner. Whereas right now, they're probably just kind of like, I don't really care. We're, we're, we're living in Colorado right now. Wherever you guys want to go, we'll go. Right, um, and that leaves us with. The uncertainty of the other assistant head coaches. Um, Cristobal has not given us a definitive answer outside of one coach, which is Marcus Arroyo, the now full-time singular offensive coordinator. Uh, him and Chris Arroyo and Cristobal shared co-offensive duties uh, under Taggart, and now with the ascension of Cristobal to head coach, Arroyo just assumes full-time OC duties. He will call plays. Um, Cristobal, who... Taggart called plays for Oregon last season, so this is kind of the, the Vegas Bowl is going to be a, a showing for 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 Arroyo as well. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, and, and I'm kind of curious just to see what you know we get out of him. What's his coaching philosophy? What's his style type stuff? Uh, and then outside of that, though, Cristobal is non-committal of who is retained and, and and who is leaving. 
He did say, though, that he hopes everyone comes back. Yeah, and uh, and of course, I think when you, I mean, this is a tremendous staff. Let's not get, let's not lose that. This was considered an all-star staff when it was put together, and it remains one right now. And there are, we mentioned a number of those names. If they could retain everybody here, and obviously they're going to have to add at least one coach because Cristobal has been promoted, and possibly a second if that tenth assistant or that tenth uh, full-time coach is um, accepted by the NCAA. Which is it? Has it already been accepted? Just yeah, yeah it goes into effect. I think January tenth. So, so they're they're going to need to find at least two coaches two more at coaches. the minimum. Um, but you know, I think you'd be really happy if you only had to find two more because what the guys that are currently in place are about as good as as you can find on the market right now, and and guys that are that have been here for a little bit that have that have that have recruited really really well here, and for the most part, I think coached really well throughout the course of their first seasons. That's going to do it for us. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the Duck Territory podcast. Uh, go to DuckTerritory.com uh, for all your Oregon football team coverage news. We'll be in Vegas. Uh, also for your recruiting news. And then uh, on Sunday morning, uh, the shift changes from Oregon football to Oregon football recruiting. And then also in the forefront, Oregon basketball moves into a bigger focus as well uh, as they get ready for gearing up for Pac-12 play in about a couple weeks, as crazy as that sounds. 29th. 29th. Uh, so until we talk to you following the Las Vegas Bowl, and previewing probably signing day on December 20th. We will be talking to you sometime soon. Thanks, guys. See you guys.